we presented a system that the Ramchal has as introducing us to the nature of the creation of the world and our relationship towards it and introducing us to the notions of what we call good and evil, what the Ramchal calls chisar and shlemus, which can be translated as perfection and deficiency. I would like to know, once since we presented the, the idea, and we presented the idea, if I can call on this visual aid. Here we go. State of the art. So the Ramchal begins with the nature, nation, nature of creation was the ultimate altruistic act that the Rebbein Sha'olam wanted to share of the ultimate good. Part two is that the ultimate good is Hashem. Part three is, well, then he can't share it. Part four is, what he can do is provide space for the creation to connect to it. And then, part five, in order for it to resemble Hashem's goodness in the true sense, that creation has to own it. Owning it requires a process of choice where a person is suspended between perfection and deficiency and when he sides to perfection it becomes his own he owns it in doing so he connects by connecting he accesses the ultimate good and Hashem's purpose of creation is realized if he errs so then unfortunately he loses a chance for access and as a result man is becomes the focal point of the entire created world, whether it be um, the spiritual or the physical, the angelic or the animal kingdom, he becomes completely central on the stage of the world because everything essentially revolves around him either accessing the ultimate goodness or not doing so. So he's that's kind of a presentation that we did as an overview of this chapter. And now let's go into the text of the chapter itself, slowly but surely making our way through the Hebrew text. If you don't mind just hanging it up behind you, it's on the, there's a coat hanger there for coats. I mean, So, <laughs> says the Ramchal, if you've quite finished there, Batita. It's always easy to point fingers, isn't it, Batita? The purpose of creation was for Hashem to share His ultimate goodness. And if you look, we reading from the beginning of chapter 2 of the Derech Hashem. Hashem is a true perfection. Denied of any imperfection. And there's nothing which is comparable. Anything which could be described as perfection is only relative. When we describe things as being perfect or good, it's only relative to something which is less good or less perfect. 
behechlet, einu ele shem musa is baruch shmoy, true perfection can only be Hashem, v'alkein, therefore, now we're going to second stage, b'yoyz chefza is baruch shmoy lehetiv lezulasa, Hashem's intention was to give to the other, lo yaspik lo b'yoyz ha-metiv katsastoyv, he couldn't satisfy himself by giving him partial goodness, and the b'yoyz ha-metiv tachtis ha-toyv sh'efshal ibrim shikablu, he'd have to give him the ultimate good that creatures, creations could receive, b'yoyz hu levad is baruch shmoy ha-toyv ha-miti, and since Hashem himself is it ultimate good? Lo yistapei chefzoi atoyv ele b'yoyisim ahani lezulase b'toyv u'atzmoi Hashem would have to give this creation that good she's baruch shmoi mitzad atzmoi sh'atoyv ha'shalem miti which is essentially Hashem's nature v'hinei mitzad acheh but on the other hand atoyv ye yefshay shimotze leboi that toyv the goodness can only be found in him alkein therefore God's rechoch mosoi shimetzias atoyv amitis azois the way HaKosh Baruch would realize his goal ye b'mash iten mokim lebrum shistab kubois baruch shmoi to give provide room for the creations to connect to Hashem, in a way that they'll be able to, have a capacity to do so. So that which they, from their own nature, they would not be able to be Hashem-like in terms of their intrinsic nature, because that's only by Hashem. Through their connection to Him, they'll be able to arrive at it. To the degree that would be possible for them. They'll be able to derive benefit, to enjoy that goodness. Therefore, the purpose of creation was to create a creation that would be able to derive that ultimate good in the way that he could. Now this is interesting. It is an interesting parallel to the first chapter of the Ramchal's other book called Mrs. Sharon, The Path of the Just. Now these two books work with one another beautifully. The Mrs. Sharon, The Path of the Just is the detailed description of how a person incorporates this overview into his daily life. And Derech Hashem is the overview. So Derech Hashem is the perspective of what the world looks like, standing on the outside, looking inside. And Mrs. Hashem is, how do you work it from the insides? But the fascinating way that the Derech Hashem begins is, sorry, that Mrs. Hashem begins, is Yusoyed HaChasidus, the foundation of the highest level called Chasidus, which is the highest level of piety that a person could ever dream of achieving. And the root of perfect service, who she is by person should become crystal clear about what his goal in this life is. And it goes on to say, and behold, what the sages have taught us who Adam The only purpose of creation was for man to get benefit, to derive joy, from to have a good time this Hashem with Hashem. That that is the ultimate pleasure that could ever be experienced. The purpose of creation was that you should know. A person was only created. And to get benefit, joy, from the luster of his shechina. Why? Because that is the only Tanugamiti, that is a true pleasure. And it's the true ecstasy that a person could ever experience. And that's the purpose of creation, Zach. How do the books work well? Because in Derek Hashem, it's very 
Well, Mrs. Sharman says right in the beginning of, there's almost nothing in this book that you won't be able to intuitively uh, not understand. That's that? not correct. Not intuitively. There's nothing what? in the book that isn't hasn't been previously presented. The point of the book is not to tell you new information. The point of the book is to transform you as a person. Okay. Well, and that, but in this book, it's a lot of things that are very like esoteric. Even, yeah, it's like the nature of miracles and demons and angels and all the stuff that you wouldn't necessarily be able to just like get. Like right. So in other words. That's the, what Der Hashem does is it provides you the system that the Mesut Hashem works within. So the Mesut Hashem is describing from the perspective of what do I need to do as a person. It's not telling me what's going on in the world around me. What I need to do is I need to realize that Hashem made me so that I could get benefit from this world. I could get, I, for me, I have to realize that my being in this world is to get close to Hashem because that's the ultimate pleasure doesn't go into the nature of why I created the world because that's going from the other perspective what I need to know is I'm here to get connected to Hashem to the nth degree because that is the ultimate pleasure this, uh, but this Derek Hashem describes well why was that it's because Hashem is a true good and Hashem, that the Mrs. Shram doesn't go into at all yeah. so in other words everything in the Derek Hashem is almost somewhere in the Mrs. Shram and vice versa it just depends where you're looking are you looking from on top or are you looking from inside fascinating Yes, Gary J. from South Africa. Sorry? Have you heard of the, the offside rule? Depends on what sport. Well, I think there's almost a global acceptance of an offside rule, whichever sport you're in, is when one player is in a place where he shouldn't be. He's gone too far <laughs> across the field, and he really should be further back. I think that's... Is that accepted? That's for sure in soccer. That's in rugby. I don't know about American football. Is that true of American football yeah. as well? So I think it's global. So you're going ahead of the pack in an illegitimate fashion. Can you please stop there right now? That's okay. Good. Moving on. Says the Derech Hashem. V'ulam. And I ever. In order for this goodness to be complete, the person who has this goodness has to be the one that owns it, the master of it, perish, a person that acquires it for himself, not someone that has it by chance. In other words, this is where the Ramchal tells us the absolute importance that what makes man into man is he has the ability to choose. Vatirish is Enikritasis Damus in such a way he becomes somewhat similar Bishirshi Efsha El Shemus Barchmoy to Hashem's perfection. Why? Kineus Barchmay Shalom Batsma. Hashem is perfect because he is intrinsically perfect. Veloiba Mikri, not because someone made him that way, thrusted upon him. But because of what he is, he is perfect. And he has none of the deficiencies because of who he is. Obviously, this can't be by another being. The person is intrinsically perfect and has no deficiency because then he would be Hashem. To, to make yourself similar to this, to 
get to somewhat of an approximation. You can acquire that perfection that even though intrinsically it's not part of you, but it can become part of you. And you can push away the deficiencies which are theoretically possible to be inside of you. In other words, a person can choose to be perfect even though he's not intrinsically perfect, and he can choose to push away deficiency even though he's not intrinsically pushed away from deficiency. And therefore Hashem decreed there should be things which are called perfection and things which are called deficiency, what we may call good and bad in the world. In other words, this is the beginning of the question which is often asked, what is the necessity of evil in the world? Why couldn't Hashem have created us already in Gan Eden with no evil whatsoever? So the... Adam, you messed it up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stop talking. <laughs> Apologize. In other words, this is beginning to answer the question, why, why is it even in the world? The answer is, well, if there'd be no evil, so everyone would be good because they have to be good and the good not, would not be their own. So because there's a potential to, in order for there to be a potential to choose right, there's to be a potential to choose wrong. Otherwise, there's no choice whatsoever. It's like choosing to be from in yeshiva. You lose your sense of choice. <laughs> it's thrust upon you. So in one sense, by doing good, you're doing something that's greater than what's God to, what's doing. Because God doesn't have a desire to do bad. Um, no, it's not greater. By succeeding in making the choice, the good becomes your own and then it approximates Hashem's good. The process whereby you get to doesn't get you further, it gets you to the same place. It makes it intrinsic word by Hashem, it's intrinsic already. It's a lacking, it's not an advantage. I just want to finish with this paragraph before we before we ask more questions. So you have these two things. You've got you've got perfection deficiency, and then you create a creation that has the potential to do both. And then give that that creature mechanisms, utensils, vessels, instruments whereby he can acquire the perfection and push away deficiency. If you succeed in doing so, then the creature will be able to become similar alike to the Creator. And in doing so, this creature will be able to cleave to Hashem, connect to Hashem, and derive benefit from His goodness. Apart from the fact that this creature will be able to connect to Hashem by the very fact that it becomes similar to Hashem, it's not only that the similarity will create the connection, but also the nature of the content of how the person becomes better 
makes the person also more similar to Hashem. So the person is similar to Hashem in terms of the choice that it's owned, and also similar to Hashem in terms of the content of the choices. Nim says, Mr. Bekes, as a person makes more and more choices, the person becomes more and more connected. Until the pursuit of perfection and connection to Hashem actually become synonymous. And that's because since Hashem's reality is complete perfection, as we said above, everything which is perfection has to be connected to Hashem. Like a branch to the root. Even though the branch doesn't go back to the root of where it came, it's a consequence, it's a continuation of that perfection. True perfection is rooted in Hashem. And any deficiency is a hiding of Hashem's face, as it were, and a lacking of Hashem. Comes out therefore that Hashem shining His face, as it were, is the source of all perfection. And Hashem hiding His face becomes the source and the lack of any any deficiency. The more Hashem pulls out, as it were, the greater this. Now, this is a very important point to discuss. It's called two disparate ways that Hashem responds in His connection to the creation. There's something called Ha'oras Panov, shining of His face, and Hester Panov, hiding of His face. It's, it's a very interesting idiom that's being used. The way that we communicate, ideally, is face to face. And when we look at someone and we connect to them, so that's when we feel that they're involved and that they're responding and that they, they, they engage in the dialogue. I had the most wonderful experience when I was attending a share from Reb Moshe Shapira on Monday. And he just, he answered a question which has been bothering me for years and years and years and years and years. And years. And that's fine, because questions can bother you for years. That's actually very good that they bother you for years. I always felt that to a certain degree, and it's a question which not only I've had, many people have had, many people ask me as well, that don't you feel that when you're reading the Shemun Esrei, there's an element of, I'm saying something that's been scripted. I want to pray from, pray from my own heart. I want, to, I, want to, I want to say what I'm feeling, and I want to speak about what's, what's touching on my life, I may not necessarily be interested in, this, in the script that was prepared for me 2,000 years ago by Anjak Nesagadola. So many people, as a result, question the relevance of prayer. So what he did was he gave a historical perspective, which I thought was, which was like so revealing. Prayer wasn't always this way. Who made the Amid of the Shimon Israel? It was the Anjak Nesagadola, the men of the Great Assembly. And amongst them were three Navim who formed the closure of the, pro- the period known as the prayer period of prophecy. Chagai Zechai and Malachi were part of the Anshak Nisai that formulated 
the Shmon Esrei and Brochas and Kiddush and Avdal and all those things. They did that. So it's interesting, they needed to have Nevoah, they needed to be prophecy to implement this particular structure and format of prayer, but let's just think what about why was it introduced then? Why didn't you have prayer from time immemorial? Even though you had the prayer services from the Avos, Avram, Mazmatak, and Shachris, Yitzchak, Minchan, Yaakov, Mariv, but there wasn't the formatted prayer. People used to pray from their hearts, from their mouths. So he explained what the prophecy, the period of prophecy was. The period of prophecy was a state of being where the Jewish people were engaged in a constant dialogue with Hashem. You can't have a one-way dialogue. There's no dialogue. There's a monologue. When there's no prophecy, there's no dialogue. If I speak to Hashem and He doesn't speak back to me, literally, so that's not a dialogue. You can't have proper communication when only one person is speaking. So in the period of prophecy, there was no need for a stipulated prayer format because people were speaking to Hashem the whole time. They were on the spiritual level where they could engage in dialogue. They would say this to Hashem and Hashem would respond. So as a result, it was futile to put into, into process a formatted prayer because people could speak. When they spoke, they were speaking, there was a dibur. A dibur is always a connection. The truth is, I, I think maybe, I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to not do justice to this concept by trying to fit it up, fit it into too short a space of time. So I, I will, I will, hopefully explore this next week but to just end off with the point the point is that something shifted dramatically in terms of our capacity to communicate during the period of prophecy and after the period of prophecy and that shift in the open lines of communication precipitated the need for something other in order to pray and that became the Shemona Esrei and then it becomes a large question so what are we doing when we're praying and certainly the Shemona Esrei what is that all about? But it's important to notice the historical progression of what was and what is and to find ourselves, we have to orientate us, ourselves in space and know where we are and what the nature of the dynamic between us and the Rebbein Shalom is. So that's something hopefully we'll explore next week. I thank you for your attention. Shalom. Thank you.